Hello, and welcome to episode 9 of The Rye Cooter Story, a podcast dedicated to the music, movies, and career of slide guitar master Rye Cooter. My name is Frank. I'm a video producer, podcaster, and lifelong Rye Cooter fan from Berlin, Germany, bringing you this podcast with a little help from text-to-speech AI. Welcome to an episode that is almost entirely about Cooter Live. After Chicken Skin Music, which we talked about in the last episode, Cooter went on his first major national and international tour, called the Chicken Skin Review. Out of that came Cooter's first live album, Showtime, and so much more. Are you ready? So here we go. When Rye Cooter had toured before, he was usually alone on stage. He had opened for Randy Newman, Arlo Guthrie, and Todd Rundgren. Also for Captain Beefheart and Little Feet. He had put together a band for a few shows, but most of the time he was on his own. One man, one guitar, and an almost unbelievable playing ability. Or one man, one mandolin, and almost unbelievable playing ability. Now, thanks to the collaboration with Flacco Jimenez on Chicken Skin Music, there was a new situation. Cooter had already performed with Flacco's band in the run-up to the album, and they had gotten to know each other over a longer period of time. Cooter could now benefit from that. For a loner like him, it was an ideal starting point. In 1982, he remembered. I went down to Texas and discovered that Flacco had a good band, drums, guitar, bass, and accordion, to which I added my friend, the Italian saxophone player, making up a whole big deal. When I first came to Europe, that was the band, plus the three black singers whom I'd known for some time. Quite a combination of folk. It was very strange, but very good. People weren't ready for it, though. It was considered kind of oddball. Nowadays, they might be more receptive. There were up to 11 musicians in the band. The Mexicans, Flaco Jimenez on accordion, Jesse Ponce on Baggio Sexto, Henry Big Red Ovida on bass, and Isaac Garcia on drums. On alto sax, there was Frank Villarreal. Pat Rizzo was the Italian saxophonist, but he was actually Italian-American. In the 60s, he had played with the Cufflinks and with the funk band Sly and the Family Stone. He had also appeared on Chicken Skin Music's He'll Have to Go and would later play on Cooter's follow-up jazz. The singers were Bobby King, Terry Evans, and Eldridge King, who replaced Herman Johnson from the Chicken Skin music recordings. There was definitely some skepticism among the musicians before it started. Flacco had never heard of either Bobby King or Terry Evans, and the two of them doubted that the Mexicans would fit into Cooter's gospel style. Cooter implored both sides to trust him and give it a try. He later recounted their first rehearsal together. They all met for the first time turned on the amps, hit a chord, and played the first tune. And it sounded fantastic, just like I knew it would. 
We hit Oklahoma City on our first stop, and the audience went nuts. I'll never forget that night. That was a real fantastic experience. We were the Chicken Skin Review. The U.S. leg of the tour began the fall of 1976 with concerts in Oklahoma City, Austin, Texas, and New York City, where the Chicken Skin Review performed three acclaimed shows in two days at the bottom line. Other stops included Boston, Portland, and Seattle. The tour played to almost every kind of audience imaginable, from 5,000-seat venues to modest clubs with a few hundred seats. For Cooter, a crowd of a thousand or so seemed the closest thing to ideal. But in the end, he didn't really care where he played, as long as the crowd was friendly and responsive. Unfortunately, it turned out that this wasn't always the case. In December, they played for two nights at the Great American Music Hall in San Francisco. This is where the recordings for the live album Showtime were made. As we know, Cooter would record another live album at the same venue 35 years later, again with Flacco Jimenez and Terry Evans at his side. The set list for the two nights included about 16 songs, but only half of them ended up on the album. Surprisingly, only three tracks from Chicken Skin Music are included. Cooter preferred to present a cross-section from all of his albums, plus a few Mexican tunes not represented on any of his studio albums. Critic Vivian Goldman attended one of the later shows in Europe, but her description of the stage action certainly applies to these two winter evenings in San Francisco too. It was like seeing three movies on one screen. On your right, you have this three-man gospel-style street corner vocal section. Bobby and Eldridge King, Terry Evans, in jumpers and slacks, all gyrating, nay, frugging even, with the fervent abandon of actors auditioning for the disco in a late-60s Hollywood thriller. On your left, you have a genuine Mexicano band, garnered in the courses of Rye's wholehearted researches into Tex-Mex and Hawaiian music. Now they were airlifted straight from the heart of Sam Peckinpah territory, especially accordion player Flacco Jimenez, a moustachioed heartbreaker who came across like a cross between George Raft and Tonto. Jesse Ponce on rhythm guitar looked like a stolid Hawaiian, something like how I imagine the attorney must look in fear and loathing in Las Vegas. The left-hand side of the stage was strictly carnival, and there in stage center you have Rye, in classic Hawaiian shirt, with the perfect air of being a rakish L.A. playboy, but simply grooving on the music, just enjoying himself so much, relishing the superb musicianship fizzing all round him exulting in the fact that nobody but Rye Cooter, the man who gave eclecticism a haircut and a shine, could have NC'd such a flamboyantly successful three-ring circus. So, Showtime was the conclusion of the U.S. part of the Chicken Skin Review. Before we talk about the European part, which will have some surprises in store, let's turn our attention to the album first. Although there would have been more than enough live songs available, the album ironically begins with a studio recording. And as on Cooter's usual studio albums, it's a cover version. A new recording of a top 10 hit from 1961 by Gary Bonds. 
Rolling Stone magazine wrote, It ought to be surprising that Ride Cooter opens his new album with a rock and roll song, Gary U.S. Bond School is out. If it isn't, that's because Bond's songs always sounded like field recordings too, even if the field seemed to be on Mars. For his own version, Hooter gathered the Chicken Skin Review personnel in the studio to celebrate the start of the holidays with a corgan, saxophone, gospel backup, and electric guitar. Of course, one might wonder why Cooter's first live record needed a studio track at all. Was he unhappy with the live recordings? We know him as the harshest critic of his own results, but it's hard to imagine that he wouldn't have liked any of the ten or so unused songs. It's more likely that Warner Brothers felt that a feel-good song like School is Out would increase the album's commercial chances. Well, we'll see if this strategy paid off. The first actual live recording is Alimony from the 1970 debut. Cooter plays the song very straight and rocking, accompanied by his gospel trio. Next, there is Jesus on the main line from Paradise and Lunch. Cooter strips down the gospel classic to just four voices and his stunning bottleneck guitar. All Music's Brett Hartenbach called it the real showstopper. Now, if you're sick and you want to get away, tell you what you want. What if you're sick and you want to get away, tell him what you want. The next song is The Dark End of the Street from Boomer's Story. This is where Flacco's accordion comes in and Rye can rest and relax a bit, leaving the singing to his backing band, something he's always appreciated. For critic Nick Kent, writing for the new Musical Express, it's the highlight of the album. Now a number of reviewers before me have already singled out this stately version of the early 60s classic as the musical high point. Richard Williams even devoted a whole column to describing the beauty inherent in the interaction twixt gospel singers Bobby, Terry and Eldridge Kane and Cooter's impassioned guitar picking on this number. Well, here it finally is, and yes, it is every bit as good as those superlatives indicated, even though I still denote just the slightest passion drop in this track's journey from the stage itself to this here vinyl.
Showtime's B-side begins with a medley of Viva Sagan and Do Re Mi. According to Rolling Stone's Dave Marsh, it's a brilliant idea one Woody Guthrie would have enjoyed. And it's here that Flacco Caminus really comes into his own. Viva Sagan is a classic conjunto written by his father, Santiago Jimenez, an innovator on the two-button accordion. This is how the song sounded in a recording from around 1950. The Showtime recording is not that far from the original. Cooter and Flacco play the song just a little bit slower. The medley sags smoothly into Do Re Mi, an old cooter standard in a new guise. Driven by an infectious polka rhythm, it moves briskly along. It's as close to a party hit as cooter ever came. On the dynamics of the ensemble, Cooter said, The guitar is part of the group, and what we're striving for is the group sound. Whatever the level of the instruments, or the dynamics, it's about a unit in which there are no soloists. I think orchestrally, even with a small band, and that develops something which becomes a whole lot deeper and more interesting. On stage, it's different. Somebody has to do something, and you have the chance to stretch out and play solos. On the next track, Cooter continues a tradition he has had since his earliest concerts, including songs exclusively in his live repertoire without recording them for the studio albums. Songs like Feeling Like a Submarine, Forget the Folding Bridge, and Don't Take Everybody to Be a Friend come to mind. Volver Volver, written in 1972 by Fernando Zane Maldonado, is an absolute anthem of Mexican ranchera music. As interpreted by Vincent Fernandez, the song broke all sales records in Central and South America in the mid-70s. Volver means to return, and the lyrics are about the protagonist's longing for a past love. Este amor apasionado anda todo alborotado por volver. Voy camino a la locura y aunque todo me tortura. So it's another song about romantic heartbreak for the Cooter repertoire. Cooter, of course, brings his guitar to his version, but otherwise takes a back seat. Flacco sings lead on the vintage Tex Mex ballad and also provides a delightful accordion solo. Mm -hmm. 
Este amor apasionado anda todo alborotado por volver. Hoy camino a la locura. In his otherwise mixed review of Showtime, Mick Kent wrote for the New Musical Express. How can a poor man stand such times and live first appeared in Cooter's repertoire on Into the Purple Valley, where it was played in an up-tempo fashion highlighting Cooter's wasted croon to great effect. This live version is slower, consequently more down in the gutter desolate and soulful, its very sparseness making the whole performance ache vividly, an inspired reworking at the very least. Fred Metting adds, The song begins with Cooter's subtle electric guitar. His vocal then recalls a time when everything was cheap, a sharp contrast to current frightening grocery bills. Gospel voices join him on the refrain, How can a poor man stand such times and live? Flaco Jimenez's Nortino accordion adds exotic spice, as do the south of the border horns. Then Cooter takes several choruses with a chilling electric slide solo. The entire piece is a wonderful blend of harmonious ensemble playing and occasional solo virtuosity. When How Can a Poor Man is played in a slower version, the last song on Showtime, smack dab in the middle, is sped up considerably. Still, it's a huge version, clocking in at eight minutes to send people home with a great party tune. Now I want a big jazz band, a lot of dancing girls. Seek this pain with natural pearl. Bring me a wagon load of bones and stalks and Cooter uses the song to introduce the whole band. With a band like this, of course, that takes a while. Thank you, folks. I'm going to introduce everybody for you. On alto sax, Frank Villarreal. On drums, Isaac Garcia. in your town tonight, Big Red. Bajo Sexto, Jesse Ponce. Accordion, Flaco Jimenez.
be out on vocals. Eldridge King. The European leg of the tour followed in January and February 1977. The Chicken Skin Review performed in Dublin, Amsterdam, and London, where Cooter again appeared on the BBC's Old Grey Whistle Test. In Hamburg, the show was recorded by German television and later released as a bootleg album called Smack Dab in the Middle. The 48-minute program from a show called Rock Polast contains quite a few numbers that were missing from the Showtime album. Probably there even would have been enough material for a double album. The show opens with Cooter's rendition of Ben E. King's Stand By Me. When the sky let me look up home, Then comes Tatler from Paradise and Lunch. Cooter rearranges his own classic into a Tex-Mex version. Completely missing from Showtime is the part of the show where Cooter performs in his old fashion, alone on stage, working magic with his guitar. Ironically, it is in this very constellation, alone on the stage of a tiny club, that he is pictured on the cover of Showtime. He begins by playing one neat ball from his debut album. He gives a hilarious introduction, revealing that one of his main protagonists, the little man, is actually a musician. I'm do you this song about a musician with stomach trouble. There's an ulcer talking. stomach trouble is he can't find anything good to eat except hamburgers junk food all the time I understand they got a new McDonald's here I caution everybody to stay away from McDonald's that's right McDonald's ruined my stomach after about two three years of being on the road eating McDonald's all the time 
Fifteen bucks. Relax now. One meatball. One meatball. Well, he could afford but one Next is an inspired performance of Fool for a Cigarette. It's another demonstration of pure guitar skill. In truth, this musician doesn't need anything else to accompany him. But still. I just can't get enough Because like a car needs gasoline Well, I've got to have my nicotine Yes, I'm a fool about a cigarette A little accompaniment really can't hurt. For Tamp Him Up Solid, Cooter brings his gospel singers on stage. As on the album version, they provide the appropriate railroad acoustics, minimalist and lavish at the same time. The next song is another new addition to the Cooter Canon. It's a traditional gospel blues song from the 1920s called Let Your Light Shine On Me. Some sources credit Blind Willie Johnson, a monumental influence in gospel blues as the writer. But his 1929 recording was not the first. The words obviously allude to biblical psalms, and the lighthouse Blind Willie sings about is probably God himself. In 1934, the song was also recorded by Cooter regular Lead Belly. Shine on me. 
so it's no wonder that Cooter took a liking to the song and presented it live. Accompanied by his backup combo, he turns it into a gentle gospel song full of emotion. three songs of the TV program bring us back to Tex-Mex territory. First, there is the medley of Viva Sagan and Do Re Mi, played almost exactly as on Showtime. Then there is a wonderful version of Goodnight Irene. Finally, there is Volver Volver, played completely differently than on Showtime. Here in Hamburg, Cooter begins the song with a two-minute foreplay. It's just him and the sax player having a ball with a jazzy duo. Let's listen in on for a bit. This intro is an example of Cooter not sticking to a rigid pattern on stage. Much is spontaneous or depends on the form of the day. He also likes to develop the songs over and over again. After all, even his original versions are nothing more than variations and reinventions. If you look at the live footage of the Chicken Skin Review, you see a band in perfect harmony and a band leader who is completely at one with himself. He seems to enjoy every second of it. Still, the six-month Chicken Skin Review was anything but pure pleasure for Cooter. He later said that just about everything that could go wrong on that tour did. Henry Ojeda's oldest son died suddenly. Then Pat Rizzo's father died. People got sick. Flacco had problems and had to go home for a week. Jesse Ponce got pneumonia and had to go to the hospital. In the beginning, the band had a bus, but later they couldn't pay for it, so they had to drive cars that broke down in the snow. Cooter wasn't making any money. He was losing it because of the expenses and because the review wasn't such a success after all. The New Musical Express reported, Relations between Cooter and his chicken skin band were eventually soured when, just prior to a second European jaunt in 77, the Tex-Mex musicians decided to demand a pay rise over and above the union rates. Not being a man of great patience, where the foibles of others are involved, and probably a little bit hurt as well, he abandoned the project there and then. 
Cooter told Rolling Stone magazine, I was sick for two years after the chicken skin review, exhausted, debilitated, demoralized. I believed in it, and I thought it was going to happen. It was so great, who could not like it? But it turned out that very few people did like it. Those were dark days. Once again, there was an extreme contrast between effort and reward for Cooter. Or rather, this time the effort had been significantly greater than on his previous records and tours. Chicken Skin Music had been an extremely time-consuming production with an above-average number of people involved, and the following review had transferred all that from the studio to the stage, a logistical feat that was as unrewarded by the audience as the accompanying record. True, the subject is not new. It has been lamented over and over again on this podcast and throughout Cooter's whole career, and in fact it is and always has been the same pattern. The product is hailed and adored by connoisseurs and fans, but the deserved commercial success fails to materialize. But there is much to suggest that the Chicken Skin Review was a first major, traumatic loss for Cooter. A setback that did not stop him, but left deep scars. Cooter had to learn that his inner conviction, no matter how strong, was not enough to make an unusual project suitable for the masses, or at least profitable. Had Cooter been naive to combine his own hitherto unsuccessful style with Flacco's Tex-Mex accordion? Maybe. But he was also brave enough to follow his heart and stay unconditionally true to his line. And as we know today, he was way ahead of his time. Latin music in general came into vogue about a decade later and Cuban music in particular two decades later. For now, Cooter drew a radical line in the sand. For the next four years, he gave U.S. live audiences the cold shoulder. If he toured at all, it was almost exclusively in Europe, Australia, and Japan. The release of Showtime in September 1977 did little to change the situation. In fact, it almost made it worse. If Warner Brothers had speculated that Cooter could jump on the then widespread trend of giving his career a big boost with a live album, they were wrong. The record peaked at number 158, in the distant reaches of the charts. This time, even the critics were not impressed. Nick Kent wrote, Showtime is not great cooter, and even though in many respects it stands far, far above your conventional live rock album product, this, Cooter's first live recording, has left at least this fan oddly dissatisfied. In his all-music review, Brett Hartenbach said, Cooter is not usually one to stray too far outside the confines of the song on record but in this setting he gets a chance to really stretch. Like most live recordings, showtime isn't necessarily essential, though there's enough to make it worthwhile for fans. And Dave Marsh, writing for Rolling Stone magazine, concluded, If this is Cooter's shot at commerciality, he is inevitably going to be disappointed. A trivial consideration, really, especially when one considers that Cooter's role is not so much to be a hitmaker or even an artist but to act as the only curator of our continent's musical heritage. It would be nice if more people could share in his vision of that vast, cross-fertilized series of idioms as one kind of music, but it is less than essential. One only hopes that Warner's continues to agree and sustains its support.
but not to worry. Warner Brothers remained loyal to Cooter for many years to come, and Cooter again began to take on sporadic session jobs in addition to his own work. In fact, in 1976, not a single record had been released featuring him as a session player, an absolute first since his beginnings in the mid-60s. In 1977, there were three albums, two of them for Warner's. One was the aforementioned second Gabi Pa'inue Hawaiian band album, with recordings from the same session as the previous one. The other was another collaboration with Randy Newman on Little Criminals. On the other hand, Cooter's third session product, Please Take Me Back by Larry Gross, appeared on MCA. Born and raised in Dallas, Texas, Larry Gross is best known for his contributions to Disney children's music. He also had a top 10 hit with Junk Food Junkie, recorded live at McCabe's in Santa Monica, where Rai Cooter received much of his musical training, as we heard in our very first episode. Gross's original style ranged from Americana to gospel, and in 1977 he recorded an album called Please Take Me Back. It never got much attention, but it had two Cooter tracks. One is called Tucker Town Fair, and it has a certain Cooter session vibe that sounds more like the late 60s than 1977. He's only 17, never been in love before, never lost his heart till he left it right there. Oh, how he longed to hold his Louise, oh, how he wanted to tell her that he cared. In his two-tone boots and that rodeo hat, the boy fell in love with the Tucker Town Fair. And that brings us to the end of episode 9 of the Rye Cooter Story. Thanks for listening. Hard to believe, but the next episode will already be our 10th. After we had fun with Tex-Mex in the last two episodes, the next one is already about a new beginning. It takes us back to the days of traditional jazz. While Cooter declared his Tex-Mex adventure to be his greatest inspiration, he always considered 1978's jazz to be a mistake. Was he right? This much is certain. If there is such a thing as a controversial Cooter record, it is jazz. We're going to take a close look and most importantly listen to it all. Thanks again for listening, and see you next time. Thank you again, and good night.